0: Hey, welcome back to Silver Fortune. So stay tuned for a little bit later in this episode because I have a question that, that I'd like all of you to, to ponder and, and if possible, answer in the comment section to this video or if you're listening to in the podcast world, feel free to shoot me an email at w23mad at gmail.com. And of course, as the title suggests, I want to take some time to t- chat about China and, and as you can see in the title, that China is basically threatening to pop the global credit bubble. But before I get to that, I want to give you guys a bit of background. China, for the last 10 years, has created over half of the world's total debt, or, or I should put it this way, is responsible for over half of the global debt creation in the last 10 years. And of course, in the last 10 years, in this post-financial crisis world, it has been debt creation, along with uh, liquidity injection, that has kept the global economy from from utter collapse, right? We, we were close to that in 2008, 2009, and it was governments and central banks that stepped in through lower interest rates, quantitative easing. Uh, and and a whole bunch of, of fiscal stimulus as well as just general debt creation at all levels of the economy that helped to keep the economy going. And China was instrumental in that. Without China in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and the massive amount of of uh, monetary and fiscal stimulus that they provided, I I tend to doubt that what the Fed did and the ECB and the Bank of Japan, etc., would have been enough to never mind just them, but but also the respective governments with with bank bailouts and and huge amounts of, of uh, uh, debt creation which was ultimately monetized by central banks, all of that. It would have been far less effective and it may have failed in its ultimate goal. And then in 2012, Europe in particular Uh, moved into a recession. And it was looking uh, pretty dicey at that time period as well. Once again, in 2013, China, 2012-2013, turned around the amount of of, uh, what you call their credit impulse, the amount of, of money they're basically injecting into the economy through debt creation and whatnot, turned it around, started increasing it again, and once again, saved the global economy. 2015, And in early 2016, it once again looked like the global economy was on the brink of potentially falling into a major recession. And once again, China responded by massive interventions, massive debt creation, easing policies, etc., to once again save the global economy. Now, don't get me wrong. Along the way, there was the Fed. The Fed cut rates to zero, as did the ECB and the Bank of Japan. In fact, they went negative. All three of those central banks plus smaller ones did things like quantitative easing. right? Those things played a role as well, as did uh, countless other uh, policies, uh, whether it be bailouts from the IMF for, for some smaller countries. Or countries instituting uh, spending programs or tax cuts, right? Look at, at, at 2018 and the Trump tax cuts. There's been plenty of different things that helped out along the way. But I think the importance that China has played along the way cannot be understated. Again, I... I struggle to see how we could have gotten out of 2008-2009 crisis or 2012 European recession or the 2015-2016 uh, near recession without China's uh, blessing, basically, without their credit injection, right? I've, I've said multiple times on, on my podcast in the past, and I want to reiterate as much as possible, that today's economy, as well as today's stock market... Um, which which are not the same, but both of those things are largely dependent on, on two things, liquidity injections and credit creation, ever-increasing credit expansion, credit expansion meaning debt expansion, right? So that's a bit of a background. Here we are in 2019. Uh, we're in the midst of a trade war with China. That's what gets most media outlets main attention as as far as china's economy goes or the global economy goes however currently much of the global economy continues to be struggling despite of a bit of an uptake especially here in the united states and in quarter three of 2019 um, once again global economic growth is slumping many european countries are close to a recession china's economy even according to their official numbers which are heavily doctored um, continues to decline. To decline. Um, South Korea, is uh, their economy is not doing uh, so great. And of course, South Korea is not a huge economy compared to China or Japan, their neighbors, but but is also a pretty good, um, I don't know, a bellwether country, a bellwether economy in terms of, of future economic growth in other countries because they're such a big exporter. Uh, long story short, that's where we're at. The Fed is, of course, injecting huge amounts of liquidity into the system And it's looking like a recession, at least in my opinion, is still on the table for 2020, even late 2019. It's still on the table. And China, as the title of this video would suggest, is essentially threatening, not verbally, but what they're doing through their actions is is essentially threatening to finally, once and for all, pop this credit bubble by not being there when they have been in the past right in the past 2009 2013 2016 they have been there to keep this this global whatever you want to call it finance ponzi scheme going as of right now china's credit impulse has shown very few signs of life in 2019 they had a very strong amount of of uh, financing, social financing, and whatnot that they injected in early 2019. They've made some efforts through monetary policy, through through fiscal policy, spending projects, to to boost the economy in 2019. But it has been far less than what they did in previous years. And without China, I'm again very fairly certain that even if the Fed cuts to zero, even if they restart QE, even if the, the European Central Bank or, or the IMF or the BIS or the Bank of Japan or whatever, or major governments, all undergo major fiscal and, and monetary stimulus. Without China on board, without a significant increase in China's credit impulse in 2020, the global economy is likely going to head into recession. And this is something Zero Hedge has been covering extensively, um, despite the fact that stocks are at all-time highs. Uh, many so-called experts and analysts have, have essentially forgotten about a potential risk for a recession. Um, most recently, this is coming from, from Zero Hedge in their title their, their article titled, China Central Bank Warns Downward Pressure on Economy Increasing. Now, even the PBOC, one of the world's major central banks, is now basically warning that, hey, the, the economic picture in China is not looking great, and the PBOC and, and the Chinese government may be unable to fully offset that, that slowdown through some of the tools they've used in the past. Now, this is where it gets interesting, I think, if, if we're going to extrapolate into the future, what ultimately happens. Because I don't think there's really an in-between here. I don't think that there's somehow a situation where China does a bit or just enough of this stuff, uh, financing, increasing their credit impulse, etc., and both saves a global economy without also um, further uh, sort of devaluing devaluing their yuan and, and creating a whole other pile of debt and creating more bubbles, sustaining bubbles within their economy. Right? I think it's an either or. Either they do just that, or they choose not to act. Some of it's not going to... Some of it's their hands going to be forced, but but a lot of it would be a choice not to act. And this is where I want your guys' thoughts on this issue. For 10 plus years now, we've had this situation where every time we get close to a potential uh, total collapse of the system, China comes in to save the day. And it's not just China. Let's be honest. I mean the Fed, the the Bank of Japan, the ECB, the US government, the EU, etc. They've obviously been instrumental in that as well. But all all along the way, somebody has come along to kick the can down the road of it essentially. Uh of course, kicking the can down the road is more like kicking the can, I don't know, down the hill. It's gaining speed essentially, gaining momentum, meaning that with each time they kick it, uh, the the momentum of the next uh, crisis grows. The the magnitude of it grows. And so, coming kind of full circle here. As it, as it relates to to our own precious metals ownership, or our own outlook on the economy. First of all, which would you rather happen have happen? A situation where China as well as the world's central banks and economies, continue to uh, inject st- debt into the economy, create stimulus, etc., indefinitely, I shouldn't say indefinitely, until eventually those tools no longer work. And the world is, is caught in basically an inflationary spiral because governments and central banks are getting more and more desperate. They try harder and harder with using these tools that have worked in the past and does nothing but adds fuel to the fire of inflation, inflation being that fire, or would you rather have it happen where for political reasons, geopolitical reasons, or just because they realize that they're, they're in over their heads and all of this, a country like China decides that it's, it's over, uh, the global economy is not going to organically recover from, from the situation that it's in. And yes, they can kick the can on the road, but they choose not to. They choose to essentially not inject the stimulus that they need to. Yes, it would be a risk for their own social fabric, their own economy, etc. But whether it's because they want to crash the U.S. economy or global economy, or because they just realize that they need to start over and that they actually hold quite a few of the cards, um, i.e. Uh, a lot of really great um, um, real estate and whatnot worldwide, as well as, as gold, uh, they, they, they'd they rather start over. Which situation would you rather have? Because in, in my opinion, that's sort of where it's heading. It, it's been heading that way for like 10 plus years now. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. But that's where we're at now. And And it would seem like so many times in the past 10 years, the global economy has been at a crossroads. It's it's the easy way out over the short term with long-term pain and repercussions or the opposite, vice versa. And time and time again, China, the Fed, uh, the ECB, the U.S. government have, have always taken that path of least resistance over the short term. Is that what's ultimately going to happen long-term as they continue taking that path until ultimately... There is no path of least resistance. They attempt to take it and realize that what they've done in the past won't work. Or is there going to be one instrumental country like China that chooses not to do that? Whether it's through choice or because they don't want to devalue their yuan or because they, they just don't have any other stimulus to, to create. What's it going to be? You know, we have this article recently um, from a major uh, Chinese production or production, uh, a major Chinese publication. Okay, talking about uh, China, this is from Global Times, talking about how China very well may be heading to uh, towards towards 0% interest rates, becoming the next uh, zero uh, interest rate policy country, uh, following in the footsteps of, of course, the U.S. for many years, uh, the EU, uh, Japan, and, and I'm sure many other uh, smaller countries in their central banks, uh, that they could be following their footsteps heading in that direction. And of course, it's not a, 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 a an article that paints a really great picture about zero rates. If anything, it says that there's some serious problems with that. And and I tend to think that, that I could be wrong. But I tend to think that that's going to be the case. That China and other central banks and governments will continue down this path of uh, essentially least resistance. We're going to do what we can to keep the economy afloat now at risk of, of really slowing things down in the future. Again, I could be wrong, but that's what they've been doing for 10 plus years now. This goes much further back than just, just 10 years here. And and you got to think that it's so difficult to predict what, what crossroads it's going to be in which this, this strategy no longer works. But when it comes to my own precious metals holdings or my own pessimism about the global economy, borderline wanting it to crash because I just see how phony these markets are and who it ultimately benefits, more and more, I the the, the term, especially over the last day or two, the term that's come to mind or the, the phrase is good things come to those who wait. Um, that ultimately... What we could end up with is a some sort of a deflationary collapse or a deflationary crisis. Let's say a month from now, and once again, governments and central banks could swoop in and save the day and and kick the can down the road another year or two. That very well could be what happens. That's it's happened many times in the last ten years. But what I'm looking for is not that. What I'm looking for is the the final time that they try and kick the can down the road and they realize that their policies, their tools, are essentially impotent. They no longer work. Debt creation, cutting rates, uh, spending at the government level, etc. It just doesn't work anymore. And that's, I think, when the fireworks really begin. I think there's been some hints already in 2018 that, that we're, we're heading in that direction. Um, we're obviously not there yet. I say in 2019, um, we're heading in that direction. I don't know if it's going to be this next time around in the next couple months when, when governments try to do just that, whether it's China or other governments try to create more of this artificial growth. I I tend to hope that it is, but we could be kicking the can further down the road. But again, I I am, if you want to call it comforted by the phrase, good things come to those who wait. Because what I would want more than anything else in, in terms of this is not just to see uh, a reshuffling of the power structure of the global economy or anything like that. What I want to see is the legitimacy of governments and central banks and, and their ability to create any semblance of, of order and, and stability in the global economy absolutely destroyed. I would love nothing more than to see every major media institution in the U.S. and the world, right? You name it. Associated Press, Reuters, CNN, Fox, um, ABC, uh, and a whole bunch of foreign ones all turn their backs on, on central banks and governments. It's unlikely, right, because those two entities are pretty closely interwoven. But if nothing else, I would settle for uh, the, the American public, the global public, to realize once again, like they have many times in the past hundred plus years ago, that central banks generally are a bad thing to have. That they are are a cesspool for for those that are looking to to wield power, for those that are looking to apply very economic. Um, I don't know, academic economic type theory to real world situations, that there are individuals that generally warp uh, definitions like stable prices into 2% inflation, um, that in general, central banks are evil. Maybe not all the people that run them, but what they do ultimately is not redistribute wealth. They don't create stability. They create bubbles and they create disproportionate wealth for those that are wealthy. Um, and and I would love to see nothing more than to see their legitimacy um, totally demolished. That That's a very hopeful thought. It's going to get spun into something else, right? Let's blame the trade war. Let's blame the other political party. Let's blame, let's blame, let's blame, let's blame China. Let's blame Japan. Let's blame the EU. Whatever it might be. But I hope that somewhere in that discussion, uh, central banks come in and and people realize that central banks need to, if nothing else, be reformed, if not all out abolished. As always, thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast and God bless.